0: Mankind stands unrighteous before God and that there's a righteousness needed. Then it shifts here and Paul starts describing where righteousness comes from, that God meets the need for righteousness. And, uh, And then we'll move on after that to righteousness being rejected. That righteousness can be provided, but we can even reject it. And then the last thing that we'll look at in the last three uh, chapters, uh, four chapters, 12 through 15, uh, will be uh, righteousness demonstrated. So as we move from righteousness needed to righteousness provided, we're going to see the shift. We'll actually, we we'll actually witness it based on what Paul is saying. But if we consider him being in a courtroom explaining these things, I think it opens it up a little bit more so that we see what's being presented here. So uh, last week we uh, are now, you know, from last week we uh, we discussed a, um, a moving from unrighteousness to self righteousness, and the Jews were holding to the law. Um, and it's, it's not about just hearing as Paul was saying, hearing the word, but also being a doer. So, uh, Paul was, was making and building this case. And then he focused on the goodness of God that leads to repentance. It's God's goodness that leads us to say, I think I need to move and I I need a change in my life. my, My life needs a change of direction that comes from the goodness of God is what the word of God says. But because of our, the hardness of our hearts, we can get to a point where we, even when we hear that call, we'll say, "But I don't want to let go of this." And 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 Paul is addressing that as he's as he's building his case. So what we see as we're moving into to chapter three is Paul establishing all important doctrine for the Christian faith. Uh, and uh, when we when we as we study through, we're going to see how that opens up. So chapter three starts with. Uh, Paul bringing all men and women uh, to the judgment throne of God, and uh, where we stand in front of God guilty because of our sin, and uh, by the end of this, there's an introduction to the gospel that's available through Jesus Christ. So, so this is uh, there's so much meat. We we've talked about Romans and and how powerful it is. And uh, you know, the, many call it Paul's greatest work. It's 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 a wonderful, wonderful book. Read through it by yourselves and study through it yourselves. Uh, that way, when we come here, maybe this is just a refresher. I don't know, and that's fine. That's great. Okay, but but the encouragement is for us to know uh, this uh, of ourselves and uh, in our own relationship with the Lord. So, uh, verses one through eight we see uh, God's judgment being defended here. You know, Paul is saying that there are some weird uh, objections that come up, some weird questions that are presented that uh, just don't make any sense. And as we get there, you'll you'll see them here. So the first question is in verse 1, you know, what advantage has the Jew or um, what is the profit of circumcision? Much in every way, chiefly because... Uh, to them were committed the oracles of God. Now, this isn't one of the questions that's later presented here uh, as we, as we you know, go through our study. But Paul brings this up because at the end of chapter 2, he's talking about circumcision doesn't mean anything if, you're not, if the circumcision hasn't happened in somebody's heart, right? That's that outward symbol that somebody was a follower of God. If the heart doesn't match that, the outward symbol doesn't mean anything at all. That's what Paul was saying, like because he's saying, what if somebody who's uncircumcised is conducting themselves in accordance with the law? Will they not judge you? So there's the there's the swap there, like, hey, just because you got the stamp, okay, I went to church. Hey, I did, you know, I I, I looked at my Bible, right, and I and I said a couple words of prayer. You know, God knows my heart, uh, so therefore I'm His. But if we're standing in our lives and we're just constantly saying, no, I really reject you, and I really want to do this, but I want to feel really good about myself then we're not going to have the peace of God. But Paul is, is diving right into this, this here, saying it's way beyond uh, the, the point of, of just having the outward appearance of obedience. So Paul had just explained uh, to them that, uh, and, and remember he's writing to, to the Jewish readers that the law and circumcision don't save. And uh, you know there's no partiality with God. Remember it says in the King James Version, uh, God is not a respecter of persons. I love that so much better because it puts us really in our better light, right? But um, I, I, do, I do like it. So the Jews were trusting in things like their bloodline, uh, the fact that, that uh, they were uh, of the bloodline of, of Abraham, their, their knowledge of Moses' law and uh, circumcision for their salvation. And Paul is dismantling uh, that belief system, having come from that belief system. Paul had a great understanding of what this all meant because he was a religious, Jewish religious religious leader himself. So when Paul is, is, is explaining these things, he knows that mindset because he came from it. He was so hard uh, in that, that mindset uh, that he was a persecutor of the church, right? So, so when, when Paul writes these things, he can look and go, hey, oh, that was going on in my heart. I can write even about that, you know, as the spirit led him. So, But he does say that there's a very great advantage for the Jews. They were entrusted with the written word of God. Uh, Romans chapter 9, verse 4 is speaking of the Israelites. It says, To whom pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, and the giving of the law, the service of God, and the promises. So there, there's very much advantage to somebody being a Jew. They 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 have they had this background, and Paul saying, "Hey, just because you, that doesn't mean that because you're a Jew that you don't have any advantage. You have a great advantage. You have this this um, this base that many people don't have. This this understanding of the scriptures that many don't have." You know, they're familiar with the word of God, with history, creation, all of those things. Many many uh, Jewish uh, children needed to, uh, to be able to recite, so they would be questioned often by the religious leaders about the first five books, the Pentateuch, the first five books, of or the Torah as they, they uh, refer to it, the books of the law. They had to be ready to give answers for all of those books if they were asked. So they, they had that great foundation uh, to build on. Verse 3, For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, let God be true and every man a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. You know, he's still addressing Jews here. Does man's unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Right? We would look at that and go, no, absolutely not. So it's a foolish thing for somebody to even have that mindset. But but Paul needs to go there to to uh, continue his surgical process of what he's doing. You know, let God be true and every man a liar. That uh, man, we can apply that to a whole lot of things, can't we? You know, when there's a question, when there's any type of question, what about this? What about this? Well, what was the word of God say? Let God be true, and every man a liar. Okay, when we come to this this situation, this scenario, you know, this lifestyle, this whatever it is, let God be true, and every man a liar. You know, when we can see the root of of what is happening in this world of man just following man's uh, look, look at the look at the results, right? I mean, we are just bound in in any type of addiction, as Oliver was saying before church. You know, the way of escape isn't just for uh, substance abuse. It's not just for alcohol. It can be pornography. It can be addiction to uh, uh, gambling. It can be addiction to anything. Those things that take over our lives, destroy our lives, destroy our relationship with the Lord. Those things that that anybody can meet here, right? Or, hey, my family's been ripped apart. Come to way of escape and let's talk and, and, and just be here and, and be able to be. And you don't have to just come to way of escape. Please come to all of them. You know, it, it, you're going to find uh, you yourself growing as you're, you know, in men's studies and women's studies in the, uh, the, the evening services, whatever it is, as we dive further into the word, the stronger we get. The more we understand God, the more we understand his word and know his word, and the more firmly we are established in our walks and in our lives. Let God be true and every man a liar. You know, we know that, that man, our sinful nature, wants to reject God and serve ourselves. That's what we have to deal with, right? We have to, the, that when Christ said that we have to deny ourselves daily, uh, take up our cross and to follow him. There's a denial that has to happen in our lives every single day. My flesh wants this. I want to do it. I know it's wrong and I want to do it, but my flesh really, really wants it and I want to go in that direction. But God calls me to follow him rather than to follow me. I've got to tell myself I'm the liar. My mind, my, my, my sinful nature, that's where the lie is, right? Our enemy lies to us, right? And we can look at what happens in our lives and we can look at the truth of God and we compare that to what we want and say, let God be true and every man a liar. There's an encouragement here for us because we can often get to the point where we don't want to, um, we don't want to ruffle a feather, And we might just want to agree with somebody and we might want to take the world's opinion on on things and just say, hey, you know what? This makes things easier, Uh, you know, so that we but we're called to walk with God individually. We're not called to walk with God because the crowd is walking with God. We're called to, to walk with God because God calls each individual to walk with God. Then he takes those that are walking with God and he puts them together like in a fellowship here and all around this area and all around the state and this country and and, in the world that believers are united in uh, worship of God together. Sunday mornings, that's the 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 peak time that Christians get together. Right. We get together because we're children of God. But we can't look and say, well, uh, you know, what's popular and all these things that those are the things that I'm really going to follow, because if everybody's doing it, I might as well, uh, you know, jump on board. There's a, um, we had a meeting yesterday. It was the senior pastors uh, for the Calvary Chapel uh, here in Maine. And our pastor that oversees all of the Calvaries here in Maine, uh, Ken Graves, was talking about Bible illiteracy. And so there's Bible illiteracy. And, and then there's just not reading the word at all, right? So there's illiteracy, like don't even understand it. Illiteracy is just not getting into it at all. That's the problem. That's the problem. There are many churches where they're meeting and they're barely opening the word of God. Barely opening it. I'm not just putting ourselves, I'm not sitting, please don't misunderstand this to be me putting our church on a pedestal saying, do, do everything like us. No, you know what? We're, we're sinners here. You know, we are. You know, we 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 want the Lord to continue to cleanse that out of us and change us and everything. We want to be pleasing to him. But when a church is is changing the word of God or neglecting to teach the the truths of the word of God, that's the problem. We start following the lie of man rather than the truth of God. In that section, Paul is uh, also quoting uh, Psalm 51. David was confessing his sin and he's declaring that when God speaks, he is right and his judgment is just. So when when you consider what we just read in those uh, verses three through five, there's the declaration there that what God is doing and what He does, and when He makes His judgment, it's just. You know, God's not sitting there fretting the the words of man, going, "Oh no, are they going to like me?" <laughs> right? You know, we can we can put ourselves on the spot where we where we feel like we're um, you know so important that. That God is going to, uh, uh, you know, He's going to change His way for us, but that's that's not the case. You know, who who's going to ju- judge God? Uh, nobody can. Verse five. But if our unrighteousness demonstrates the righteousness righteousness of God, what shall we say? Is God unjust who inflicts wrath? I speak as a man. Certainly not. For then how will God judge the world. So Paul is voicing an argument that man might try to use. You know, how can God, God judge us if we're helping him establish his standard? Is 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 he's he's bringing that up? Remember, we talked about this when we first got into the book. Paul often asks questions and then he'll give the answer uh, as it's going. So what he's saying is they they may mock. There might be some questions uh, mockingly asking. You know, well well how could uh, you know God judge us if if uh, uh, he's using us as an example. If God can't judge unrighteousness, then what can He judge? Right. So that question is 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 so foolish in and of itself. It's an example of a stupid argument. Right. Um, that's it. It just is what it is. Uh, that that we in our uh, sometimes if we're if we're living sinful lifestyles, these are the types of things that we'll do to justify what we're doing because we know that we're not uh, submitting our lives to the Lord. Now, please understand, I'm not trying to sit here and hammer anybody. Um, That's not the goal at all. But what Paul is presenting is the sinfulness of man. Okay? And he's going to continue to dive even deeper into this until we get to around verses 20 and 21, and then he explains. But what he's doing right now is he's showing what our sinful nature will lead us to and, and how it will mislead us. In verse six it says, certainly not. For how then will God judge the world? You know, this is Paul dismissing the foolish question of his op- opposition. You know, if God worked that way, he couldn't judge anyone. You know, God will still use the unrighteousness of man for his glory. He still will. But he doesn't desire anybody to live in unrighteousness. But if people are hard set on it, God's like, fine, I'll still use that. <laughs> you know, and, and, and he'll still do what he's going to do verse 7 for if the truth of God has increased through my lie to his glory why am I still judged as a sinner and why not say let us do evil that good may come as we are slanderously reported and as some affirm that we say their condemnation is just so here's another hypothetical question or even a mocker a uh, question of a mocker uh, that's uh, being uh, presented and it's another uh, you know Dumb way of of thinking, and I don't say that to just be crass or anything, but it really is. You know, this question: if the truth of God has increased through my lies, and why am I also judged as a sinner? Right? You know, the uh, have you guys ever had the arguments that just don't make any sense? Maybe that was us before, right? Maybe that was us before we came to Christ. Hopefully, this isn't us after we've come to Christ, right? Where we're arguing with the scriptures. The scriptures for the Christian are the authority in our lives. So if we're arguing with it, you guys ever heard of that song was it John mellencamp, I fight authority when I fight authority, authority always wins with that job. It's funny we were driving up the interstate, and I was listening to that song I'm like there's a you can tell that he's, he's actually saying it wasn't just this strong declaration. he's saying, every time I try to do the wrong thing, I always lose you know and, I, I, and, and he's even talking about uh, you know it's, I, don't get me wrong, I'm not you know preaching John mellencamp here, right but there's just an example, right. And uh, I was listening to that song. We were, we were, uh, you know, uh, we don't, we didn't listen to the radio much. But when we were down there on our way back, I, this song came up, and I listened to it, and I'm like, wow, you know what? That's a pretty profound, you know, uh, thing that he came to in his mind. He's like, every time I fight authority, I always win. Uh, you know, if we, I, I don't want you guys to be, you know, uh, buying that on. I, that's between you and the Lord. But this, anyways, right? But wasn't it a powerful statement? right because we fight what the authority is in our lives for the Christian the authority is the word of God I hope we're not fighting it you know if uh, you know just just think about that you know the, the mindset that if if I can uh, if I can turn what I do into God's glory then uh, you know why should he judge me for it that's a foolish thing to think but uh, he it, w- that mindset is what God uses as an example of what to, what not to do you know, have you ever you ever heard, um, I, I haven't personally heard this, but I've heard people say, well, ha, having grown up in the church or having walked with the Lord before and, and in a backslidden state, they're like, hey, I'm working on my testimony here. You ever heard that? I don't know if you ever have in, in, in discussion. When somebody said that, I was like, that is the most foolish thing we could say, right? Often from the, the, the ones that, that have said, you know what, I know the truth. I know the truth. I just don't want to accept it right now because I want to have my time. I want to go do what I want to do. And we know that the scriptures speak against that, right? The scriptures do, right? And our flesh wants to convince us, you can come to God after this. Then you can come to God after, just get this out of your system. It, there, there's a popular mindset, you know, uh, even in parenting that will say, just let them get out of this. You know, they're just going through a phase. Let them go through the phase. They'll come out of it and everything. no. No, we hit that head on and say, this is destroying your life. Because if we don't deal with it, what's it going to do? It's gonna, What does sin do, right? It entices us. And once it brings us in, it becomes, you know, uh, once that enticement has, has drawn us in. It becomes sin in our lives. And then sin leads to death, right? James just, just describes that. That's how sin works, right? It's always looking to destroy. It's always looking to rip our lives apart. It's never, ever a good thing for us to say, it'll be okay for me to sin right now. It's just not, right? Not, not according to, I want it to be, you know, in my flesh, my sinful flesh wants it to be. But the word of God declares otherwise. So I'm going to trust the word of God and let me be a liar and let the word of God, the truth of God, um, be, be true. To Paul saying here that some have accused them of this type of f- foolishness, the religious leaders are accusing them of saying that the law isn't important. You don't, you know, you can just cast it off. And um, but you know, he, what is his mindset of it? Their condemnation is just. He's like they're slanderously reporting, slanderously reporting that of us, saying they're lying about us, and they're reasoning with people through the law. And we're going to get into that a, a lot more in our in our study. Uh, as we progress through Romans. Verses 9 through 20. This is where he starts hammering at home that all have sinned. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all. For we have previously charged both Jews and Greeks that they are all under sin. So Paul's reaffirming the points that he's already made. He summarizes and says that none are better than the others. All are under sin. He's, you know, finalizing the righteousness is needed uh, point that's being made here. Verse 10 says, as it is written, and he's quoting Psalm 14 and Psalm 53, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. They have all turned aside. They have together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. Now we know that whatever the law says, it says to those who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. So that's very deep for us uh, to cover. That's a lot. Those are a lot of verses that we just covered. But it starts out explaining. You know, are we better than they? You know, uh, and, and and we talked about that. And he's what he's saying there is that nobody's better than than anybody else. Everybody is under sin, Jews and Greeks. He's saying, guys, even though you're trusting in all these religious systems, as he's writing this to Ju- the Jewish, uh, the Jewish believers. Uh, sorry, the the Jewish. Um, uh, gathering uh in in Rome. And then he goes on to say in, in verse 10 as it is written there is none righteous no not one. How many of them? None. All right? That's what the scriptures declare that there are none righteous. None that can stand before God and say I'm good enough to stand in your presence holy and 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 uh, sinless one. None of us can is what the scriptures declare. There is not one person that can stand before God on our own and say I'm holy God, yeah, you know, I know all these other people are sinners, but not me, even that and of itself is a lie, right? We just can't none nobody can stand before God. there is no one who under- uh, none who understands there is none who seeks after God, there's none that seeks after God, everybody wants to do their own thing. they have all turned aside they have. Together become unprofitable. There is none who does good, no, not one. All have turned aside, and if together become unprofitable, uh, the uh, ESV uh, says, "All become worthless." Right? Unprofitable. You know, uh, kind of a meaner way, meaner way to say it would be, or blunt way to say it would be worthless. Right? All have become uh, worthless. Verse twelve: There is none who does good, no, not one. The reminder there. There's quite a list here from verses uh, 13 and eighteen, speaking of uh, you know as we go through, the, the throat and tongues, the open tomb and used for deceit, for cursing and bitterness. It describes feet that were swift to shed blood, uh, shed blood, the uh, violence, destruction and misery. Those are the things that are evident in the life of those that are, are rejecting the Lord. And What he's saying here is this is uh, you know a, a way to identify somebody. You see destruction and misery in their life. That's uh, when you consider what somebody's going through, and, and you know that they're rejecting the Lord. That's that's we we couldn't uh, conduct ourselves in opposition to God, and then question why there's destruction and misery happening, right? If we know what is right, and we're rejecting that in our lives, we, you know what we really want is is the peace. Of God, and we want that togetherness, right? If you want to look at it that way, uh, in our lives, we want to have our lives together, and we want peace. There's the opposite of that when there's a rejection of God's word. You know this. This is this is going to be um, the uh, the. It's going to be inevitable for some. For anybody that's rejecting God, there's going to be destruction and misery. So why isn't there peace? You know, because there's no fear of God before their eyes, it says. There's no fear of God before their eyes. No reverence, no fear of consequence or accountability. If they fear God, their conduct would represent that. You know They want to worship themselves, uh, and so they reject Him. We see this in our society, don't we? You don't turn on the news and be, you know, see you know, things being flipped over, ripped down, set on, on fire, and go, oh, hey, those are uh, you know, followers of Christ, right? If that was the evidence of my life, destruction and misery, then you're going to look and go, that doesn't add up at all, right? You guys know I've, I, I won't claim to be a math whiz at all, but I can do that math equation pretty easily. This plus this equals not that. <laughs> right? I can look at that and go, "No, that doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense." There is no fear of God before their eyes. That that there—that's where uh, government problems come in. That's where uh, leadership problems within organizations come in. Uh, there, uh, consider it. That 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 can permeate uh, you know, whole societies. Look at our society. You know uh, government uh, look at look at businesses look at schools there's a rejection of God there's no fear of God before their eyes you know we, we talked about this before but there are, are many that even grew up in this that are sitting in this congregation right now grew up and the Bible was read in church uh, sorry in school it was a textbook in school it's rejected it's it's outlawed in school now and look at the the chaos that has ensued since we've turned our backs on God. It's crazy. Paul's driving home the point here, and he says, whatever the law says, it says to those who are under it. The result, every mouth would be stopped, and the world would become guilty before God. There, What he's doing is he's bringing up the point that there's no argument that we're all sinners. <laughs> I mean, everybody... Uh, Okay, there are none who there's none who does good, no not one. Okay, so that's everybody. What he's doing is he's lumping everybody together, Jews, Greeks, everybody. They're all wrong, including us. You know, if we haven't come to that point of silence and reflection and realizing that we are all guilty before God and there's none righteous, no not one. Yeah, that's a that's a that's a real um that's a real point to get to in self-reflection. You know, if we're, if we're looking at our lives and going, you know what? There's this right here in my life. And this is something that I've made more important than God. And I'm not willing to tear that idol down. Then that's what we're worshiping. We're playing games on the outside. But that's what we're really worshiping. None righteous, no, not one. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in the sight. No flesh will be justified in the sight. Nobody. Nothing. That's that's all inclusive there. You know, it's not about doing religious things, not about circumcision to that Jewish uh, audience there. No justification by works. You know, that justification being made acceptable in God's sight. Because the law says we're all sinners and stand guilty before God. Our deeds can't justify us in his sight. They just can't. That's what Paul is saying. He's driven this point home. Like, consider being in, in the courtroom, everybody's silent, and everybody's bowing their heads going, ugh, right? That's probably happening in some of our hearts. That's okay, right? Because look at verse 21. But the, now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed through faith, to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God had passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Paul doesn't end it at verse 20 and say, hey, you guys are all guilty, have a good day. Thank God he didn't, right? The Holy Spirit knew, okay, when a heart is brought to that point of conviction, it needs hope. And he provides it to us in the scriptures. But now the righteousness of God, apart from the law, is revealed. He's saying, guys, what you believed in, that, that righteousness that you thought you had in the law, no, now the righteousness of God, uh, apart from the the law is revealed, and the law and the prophets agree to it. The righteousness of God that is through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. This is saying that righteousness doesn't come from works. Works should be a manifestation of what has happened in our lives, of the Holy Spirit residing in us, but they aren't what saves us. Right? We're not saved by our good works. We're not. That's, the scripture is very, very clear on that. Should we do good works? Absolutely. There needs to be the faith and works that they go together, right? James talked about that. James says you know, that faith without works is dead. Works should be the outward manifestation of what has happened in our lives, of the Holy Spirit reigning in our hearts, Jesus Christ reigning in our hearts, the Holy Spirit leading us in our lives. He says here that there's no difference, Jew and Greek. Everyone's the same. Guilty before God (laughs) is how he's explaining this, right? And he even says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There it is. There's the nail in the coffin, right? That's it. All have sinned. And so if there's any question, have I sinned enough where where I couldn't go into God's presence? The answer is yes. Every single one of us. Every single one of us. Every person that's ever walked save Christ, has sinned and fallen short of God's glory. Every single person. The argument's one. we're all sinners, we fall short of God's standard. What's God's standard? Be holy, for I am holy. Okay. <laughs> right? You read that, and you're like, oh, right? Leviticus 19 and 1 Peter 1, you can find that. God's standard is perfection. All have missed a mark. All fall short of God's glory. Is what he's saying here. But the good news, verses 24 and 25, we are justified freely by his grace. That justif- justification means being declared righteous, being having been made acceptable. Declared righteous, right? That's an awesome, those are two words to, to really, like if you want to leave here and you want to focus on two words, declared righteous. Justified, right? Or if you just want one word, if it's easier to remember, justified, right? declared righteous, declared righteous in God's eyes, made acceptable. How? Freely. It can't be earned, it can't be bought. What type of gift do you have to buy, right? (laughs) If you're buying yourself, we all do that, right? I don't know about you guys, but I bought myself gifts before. I'm like, oh, hey, I'm going to buy this. and Give it to Jen and be like, hey, you bought me something for Christmas or whatever, you know? (laughs) It wouldn't be a gift if we have to buy things, right? But we understand God by His grace through the blood of Jesus Christ, whom He sent forth, and He says a propitiation, and we're going to get into that here uh, in, in just a moment. You know, propitiation is uh, something that would appease the wrath of God. To demonstrate His righteousness, you know, how many times was it said of Christ, I find no fault in Him? I find no fault in Him? I find no fault in Him. You know, it's just said constantly. How many times was it said about Paul? When Paul was on the with a witness stand, you know, defending his own life and, and his ministry, and, and they're all like, I don't see any reason why he's even standing here in front of me, the king, right? Because he's following Christ. It says in God's forbearance. Forbearance means to, to, delay, to delay repayment of a debt or abstain or hold back. God holding back his wrath. He says he passed over the sins previously committed to demonstrate at this present time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of the one with faith in Jesus Christ, right? The propitiation that Jesus Christ was the one sent to appease the wrath of God while also reconciling us to him. Who was I talking to this morning about um, uh the wrath of God and uh, it, it was it was uh something you shared casey uh we were, we we're singing that song um in Christ alone and he just did kind of a background on it and uh the song was rejected by uh by England the Church of England be- the Presbyterians, because it says the wrath of God was satisfied rather than the majesty of God like no there there is a wrath of god that needed to be satisfied That's why Jesus Christ had to come, right? You guys heard him say this a billion times. You'll hear it again now, right? When Jesus Christ was in the garden, he said, uh, Father, uh, oh, you know, I'm getting way ahead of myself, but it's in Luke 22. You can click on that if you want. She's got lightning fingers up there. Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will be done, but yours be done. The cup of God's wrath that was meant for us to drink because of our sin Jesus Christ took it for us. There's the good news, right? As we're reading through all this and we're like, man, I am a, a dirtbag, right? You know, we get to that point of what hope is there for me? And Paul's like hitting these points. And if we're looking at ourselves in an accurate uh, reflection, right? I mean, we can look at ourselves and forget what we look like, like James says, right? And be like, oh, yeah, no, 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 no. I, I, I'm i really a good guy. I know, you know, uh, hey, actually, Ken, Ken was sharing this yesterday. And he's like, guys, why do we look in the mirror? He's like we don't look in the mirror to admire ourselves. We look like, "Hey, do I have any food stuck in my teeth? You know, did I miss a whole, you know, portion of this? You know, am I going to have a chunk right here of, of shaving or whatever? We look in there to see it's an examination. Right? Am I am I going to be presentable when I leave my home? You know, you got to you got to make sure everything's good. If we forget what we look like after that, there's the mindset of of forgetfulness uh, that can be in our heart regarding our sin. But when Paul is just driving these things home, he's like, "No, we're all sinners all fallen short of the glory of God the propitiation jesus christ sent to appease god's wrath while also reconciling us to him now think about that standing in our place for us that christ stands uh, you know before god and because he does and he laid his life down for us we stand forgiven you know many religi- religions will speak of uh, something to appease, but this propitiation by His blood—that blood, the sacrifice of of the innocent—you uh, know. Consider the Passover, right? When when God's judgment was going to come uh, in Egypt, right? And God said, "Hey." You guys, as families, need to go into your go into your homes, and if you have small families, then you and your neighbor or whatever can come together, and you slaughter a lamb, and you take the, the blood of that innocent lamb, and you put it, its blood on uh, the doorposts and the lintels, right? So you got them up top, and it created a cross all the way back in Exodus. The cross was spoken of all the way back then because of the doorposts and in the, on the lentils, right? Speaking of the cross of Christ. That Christ was the one to die for us. Day of Atonement. You guys are so familiar with that, right? That one day of the year, Yom Kippur. You see it on your on your uh, on your calendar. That's the the Day of Atonement. And and Jews uh, today will will use that as a day of refle- of of deep reflection. Is what they look at it now. They they examine their lives right now, guys. If they put that together with a deep examination and the one that died for us. <laughs> And then you've got, and some Jews have, they've come to that point. They've come to the point where they say, Oh man, there's there's salvation. There's one, because, right? That day of atonement was the one day that the, the high priest could go behind the veil into the Holy of Holies and offer the spotless lamb for the sins of the nation. He came to be a propitiation for us. He did it himself. Hebrews 10, verse 4 and then 9 and 10 say, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats would take away sins. Skipping to verse 9, it says, Then he said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God. He's quoting Psalm 40 there. He takes away the first that he might establish the second. By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Only one can do this. Only one could reconcile and appease, and that's the spotless one, the sinless one, Jesus Christ. There's only one that can do that. He's the only one that met the criteria of one that could die for sins. And who is he? God. (laughs) Right? Because when you look at mankind, there's none righteous, no, not one. God knew that. And he became a man to die for us. to, to, To display what a sinless and perfect life is, and then to, to demonstrate the greatest expression of love that can ever be demonstrated. Isaiah 53, verses 3 through 6 says, Say, uh, he was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and he did not esteem. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted but he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement for our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to his own way and the lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all when we're considering propitiation the one that would come to appease the wrath of god that's what it's it's explaining We understand what God has done for us. Consider Isaiah 61 verse 1. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Speaking of Jesus Christ. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. To proclaim, proclaim liberty to the captives. And the opening of the prison to those who are bound. Oh man. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. That's why Jesus Christ came. There was no hope without him coming. Very familiar verse coming up here. For God so, John three sixteen and 17, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Lastly, Acts chapter 4, verse 12, Nor is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Jesus Christ's name and Jesus Christ's name alone. That's powerful when we're reading. Consider, if you go back and and, and look into Romans and you you read those verses again, and I'm not going to lead us in that, but 21 through 26. 26. And it's talking about a righteousness of God that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. What does that mean? We just looked at some scriptures there. For all who believe, for all have sinned and fallen short of the uh, the glory of God. But we know that God is just and the justifier of those who have faith in Jesus. That's awesome to read. (laughs) That is so awesome to read, to look at that, to read through those things and to read to these scriptures that line up with that and to understand we all stood guilty. We all stood lost before God. But there's the continuation there, right? There's that contrast there. This is where we stood, but God is so good. So good. Verse 27, where is boasting then is excluded by what law? Of works? No, but by the law of faith. Where is boasting in earning our salvation? It's excluded, it says. You know, where Where is the boasting? It's excluded. That's awesome. <laughs> I love it. I always hated being on the, being on the playground with a kid that boasted all the time. I'm better than you. I'm better than everybody. Right? It's annoying just in that, that setting there, but it's disgusting to God, <laughs> right? It's disgusting to him. Where is boasting then? It is exclude' it doesn't even it doesn't even come into the equation. By what law of works? No, but by the law of faith. So where is boasting? There is none. because God is a just and the justifier of those that are in Christ Jesus, there is no boasting. We can only boast in Him. That's, that's where I love that because God makes it so that you're all sinners. God justified you uh, through his, uh, through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. Therefore, you can't boast. So if you're going to boast, the only one we can boast in is in Christ. I mean, that's, that's, uh, that's another math equation that's, that's very simple for me. If I can get it, you can get it. I promise. Boast in him alone. And, and think about that, the wisdom of God to include that in here in the scripture. You know, if we could be saved by our works, wouldn't we be boasting? (laughs) We'd be like driving around with, you know, the trailer behind us and the healing ministry, the, you know, the giving ministry, the whatever it is, and we want to be recognized. Well, according to the scriptures, if that is the case, then you have your reward there. That's your reward. That's as far as the reward goes. Is anybody that comes up and says, hey, that's pretty cool. That's it. That's the reward. I'd rather do it quietly, like the Lord says, right? Left hand, right hand don't let your right hand know what your left hand know what your right hand is doing. And it's such a blessing from God because if we could be saved by our works, you know, uh, what are we going to be left with wondering? <laughs> like, did I do enough? Did I do enough because I really sinned bad there and I really sinned bad there? Did I do enough to cover that? Oh, God's grace is so much greater than that. And his mercy that we can just rest in him. And not sit there and go, I hope I did enough. I hope that when my eyes close or, you know, at the end of my life, you know, did I do enough? Think of how torturous that is. So one, God excludes boasting because it's uh, we don't have any reason to boast, right? But that salvation only comes by grace through faith. Also, you know, gets us to the point of humility, but it also doesn't leave us wondering that the answer to the question is in Christ. It's not in us. How genius is that as we're reading? oh, right. How how joyful would our serving be, right? Because we're supposed to serve out of joyful hearts of what God has done in our lives. Supposed to be able to praise his name, lift our hands in worship in here because of what God has done. We're not like, did I lift my hands enough in worship today? Do I get credit for it today? Right? Because that's what we would do. We would drive ourselves nuts, but we're saved by grace through faith. It all comes but the law of faith, right? It says, uh, you know, where's boasting then is excluded uh, by what law of works? No, but by the law of faith, faith in Jesus Christ, you know, faith in and of itself is uh, as Hebrews 11, one says, faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen. It's the substance, right? Faith is actually a substance of things hoped for, that it's something that can be handled. But it's for something that can be... It's, that's, that's quite a poetic line by the writer of Hebrews, the Holy Spirit, right? The substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Evidence is something you can see, you can present, right? What Paul is doing here is presenting faith as that evidence. It's really awesome. That he is the only begotten, understanding who Jesus Christ is. He's the only begotten son of God, the eternal one that came to die in our place. The one that claimed to have power to forgive sins. Remember in Matthew chapter 9, I told the paralytic, he's like, hey, uh, your, your sins are forgiven you. And everybody's like, he's blaspheming. And uh, Jesus said, uh, you know, which is easier to say? Your, your sins are forgiven or, or get up and walk, right? And he says, but that, it, it says here in verse 6 of uh, Matthew chapter 9, says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins. Then he said to the paralytic, arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. And he arose and departed to his house. That's who Jesus Christ claimed to be that one. When he said, so that you would know that I have the power on earth to forgive sins. Then he says this. right? It's easy to say, uh, it, it, it's very easy for me to verbalize something. But to actually back it up by an action, that's what takes the work. And that's what Jesus is saying. I could sit here all day and make all these claims. But he's saying, to show you that I do have the power to forgive sins, I'm going to do this and I'm going to heal this paralytic. And he did. He backed up that claim. 1 Timothy 1.15, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief, saved by grace through faith and the finished work of Christ. That's it. That's the, that's the equation right there. Right? It's, it's awesome. God has laid it all out right there. He came into the world to save sinners. It, it's not like Jesus came and he's like he's standing there for all that have made themselves perfect, and now they can enter into the special club. Right? No, he wants the one that's dragging themselves in, that can't even look up. That's the one God wants, the broken uh, and contrite spirit in front of. 28, therefore we conclude that a man is justified by faith apart from the deeds of the law. Or is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the God of the Gentiles? Yes, of the Gentiles also. Man is counted righteous, made acceptable by faith. Uh, he, I, I quoted it earlier, uh, but actual reading it, Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and that, not of works. Uh, sorry, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. You know, God of the Jews and the Gentiles. Galatians chapter three, verses twenty-six through twenty-nine say, "For you are all sons of God through faith in Jesus, in Christ Jesus." So that's important to understand. Not everybody is a child of God until they've come to the point where they say, "God, I want you to be my Father. I want to be your child." All created by God, yes. But a child of God where you're walking with him and you can call him father and he'll call you son or daughter, that comes through a relationship with him. And this is what Paul is, is writing to the, the church in Galatia. He says, For you are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Awesome. Man is justified by faith apart from works. And then we're all, you know, Jews, Greek, doesn't matter. Everything's available to anybody. Verse 30, since there is one God who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. So there's one God, the God known as the God of the Jews, and it says that they'd be justified... uh, that justified the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith. Faith is the key ingredient is what Paul is saying here. That guy that guy whatever it's about faith. Not about religious systems, it's not about this that other thing check marks uh you know anything like that. It's all about faith in Jesus Christ. Verse 31 Do we then make void the law through faith? Certainly not. On the contrary, we establish the law. And we're going to get into uh, more of that when we get into Romans chapter 4 next week. But does the law mean nothing? No, absolutely not. No, the law acted as a tutor, right? Galatians 3, uh, Paul wrote this, verses 22 through 25. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. So Paul is saying. You know, He's just describing it in a different way to the, the, the Galatians as he's writing that. He's not saying that the law is worthless. Not not by any means. No, but what he's saying is the law was to point us to the point where, hey, guess what? You're not good enough. (laughs) We're we're not good enough. We need a Savior. And it points to Jesus Christ is what it's saying there. It was our tutor to bring us to Christ. That's what it's explaining. So there's um, there's a redemption. There's a freedom that is in Jesus Christ that, I hope that everybody here has experienced and is walking in. If you haven't, at the end of this uh, service, I'm, I'm just going to grab my guitar and I'm going to play a song. And uh, we'll sing. Yeah, we're going to shut off the, the camera as we do. But uh, um, if, you, if you need to get right in your relationship with the Lord, if you need to begin a relationship with the Lord, don't wait. Don't wait to do it. You know there's a a need for that to happen today. Is a day of salvation. The scriptures say. So if you find yourself at that point of needing to get right, then then uh, we're going to shut off the camera, so you're not going to be on camera or anything. And you have brothers and sisters here just supporting you. Just come up. Come up. And uh, I'm just going to ask a few people to to come up here. Uh, don't be offended if you don't get asked, okay? Right? But I'm just going to ask that that if you need prayer, or if you need prayer about anything, just come up, okay? And we're gonna we're gonna sing a song, and uh, we'll uh, you know what? We're gonna sing the one we ended with. We're gonna sing that one. So as we do, if you need prayer, please come up and and we'll. Uh, We'll have some people here to pray with you. So um, let's pray. Father, we are so grateful for what you've done. Thankful for your word. Thank you for the gospel. Lord, that it didn't end with the fact that we're guilty. We thank you, Lord, that we can stand in faith in Jesus Christ and in his righteousness because of your love for us that it didn't end with all have fallen short of the glory of God. But that there's, there's redemption. There's life in Christ. We praise you, we love you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing